Welcome to our latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange L&D podcast. I'm Hayley Tro, Senior Sales Trainer here at Evolution Recruitment, and today I'll be your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how to scale learning across your organization. Today, I'm joined by a fantastic panel, so let's kick off with some introductions. Emily, do you want to go first? If you let us know who you are and what you do, that would be great. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Emily Taylor. Um, I am the Learning and Development Manager at uh, Finley James. Brilliant, thank you. Neve. I'm Neve Sykes, Learning and Development Business Partner for Ramstad UK and Ireland. Lovely. And Tracy. I am Director of People for Position Resource Group and the L&D uh, function team sit under me and I have a personal background in delivering and managing learning and development. Fantastic. So today we've got a number of questions to run through provided by the panel. So let's delve straight into those and start sharing insights. So Tracy, we'll start with you. Your question was, how do you offer the same level of support to new offices without L&D boots on the ground, especially overseas? Can you provide us with some context as to why you chose that question, Tracy? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Hayley. So the reason for my question is, we have recently launched um, physical offices in the United States. So we have an office in Tampa, in Florida, and we also have an office based in Philadelphia. So what we're trying to do, um, and the reason for my question, is making sure that we're not leaving those guys behind. We've, we're have we doing the best at the moment. I think we're doing a pretty good job. But at the moment, it's it, we don't have physical L&D boots on the ground. So it's all being run remotely from the UK. So you've got that time difference. You've got a bit of culture difference. You've got a few kind of barriers in the way that just mean the offering in the true sense isn't going to be the same as we're able to do our UK our UK consultants. So I would really welcome some insights from all of you. You too, Hayley. Uh, <laughs> on, yeah, just suggestions and, and your own maybe experiences on how to make that work, you know, the best that we can until the plan is to have somebody physically in the States. But that's that's a while off, I would say. So, yeah, that's the reason for my question. Brilliant. Shall we kick off with Neve and your opinion and, and maybe insight into this question? Yeah, so I suppose I've being me, I've made some notes. But I think for me, it's really thinking about that grounding. And you mentioned kind of that remote piece there. That's something we've become quite accustomed to over the last couple of years. Um, so for me there, it, it really makes me think around, well, what's that? Um, how do our learners access the learning? Is it all through like directed through those virtual sessions? Or what do they have available to them that's not fully grounded in having that person and that with that limited time and time difference layered onto that as well, where else and who else are they accessing learning from? So really thinking that culture of learning as opposed to potentially the country culture, kind of how do they access that? Who is it? And using, I suppose, those managers um, and their expertise in sales as well, how can they kind of project that culture through into those new teams? but also allow those others, whether they are the virtual sessions, we've seen those have real presence over the last two years, but like not really discounting an LMS and what that can give to a population when they're looking for point in need um, sales skills, not purely waiting for them. Like if that VC popped in their diary for two weeks time, if they need it now, how do they then access that content um, would be a real thought there on my side. Okay. 
Interesting. Um, I'm happy to give um, or share a bit of insights as to where um, I'm conscious that I don't want to take too much time talking on the podcast because it's not about me. <laughs> However, um, we're in a similar situation, Tracy, in the fact that we've just opened up our office physically in Raleigh. Um, and we've got um, chap there who's been with the business. Chris, he's brilliant. He's been with the business years, originally opened up Singapore and has now moved over to Raleigh to set up that office. We're due to start recruitment there in October time. Um, however, he's obviously there. He's busy trying to set up a client base. He's doing the content-led process, which has stemmed from our UK office. And we've set up things like buddy systems. And um, what's great about obviously where he is, is his afternoon is kind of, well, sorry, his time zone means that we've got all afternoon to have conversations with him, share content. But the buddy system is something that's worked really well. And we have that in Australia as well. So we have consultants that buddy up with consultants um, from the UK and have that booked into their diary on a regular basis, could be bi-weekly or monthly mm. to kind of share insights and share best practice because at Evolution, our hub or our headquarters are in Warrington, Cheshire. So pretty much everything stems from there. All ideas are born from there. It's the biggest office. And and then that kind of drip feeds throughout the rest of the offices. So, yeah, if you haven't got L&D boots on the ground, it can be tough. But I think it's having that constant communication. Mm. Who who that lies on in, in terms of uh, accountability? I'd probably say your UK L&D team to make that happen. And yeah. maybe the management over there to set up buddy systems. Yeah, I love that. The consultants. That's, that's, that's a great idea. And, and the irony of that is we have we have a similar sort of system in terms of onboarding and new hires in our business in our UK office. But thinking about that as a process for an L&D perspective is a really, really useful idea. So, yeah, I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Emily, what's your take on the question? Yeah, well, I've just been through this. Um, so we have an office in Chicago um, and only this month have we got our first L&D boots on the ground. So I've actually been managing uh, the Chicago office remotely from the UK, um, which has been quite challenging. So obviously it's been very virtual heavy. Um, so just making sure that I'm protecting time to deliver the same sort of workshops that I'm doing in the UK uh, to those guys over there. But I think also um, the LMS is, is a great tool um, and just making sure that they're directed to that all the time. But having um, sort of champions in that office, um, I think it's easier if you've got some experienced people over there. Um, but that has been a, a massive help for me, knowing that if I'm not available due to the time zone, uh, there are a couple of people that I heavily communicated with in that office um, that I'm confident that they will be able to take over any training needs um, if it's just more ad hoc. Um, and then they'll signpost things for me that they perhaps can't deal with that I would then go and do something um, more specific on. I also used to block out some time um, for what I'd call clinics. Um, because I'm very mindful that it's easy when you're in an office for someone to come and say, hey, can you just help me with this? Mm. Um, but when you're working with a remote team, that's not as readily available. So I would try and book out a couple of hours on certain days. That was Chicago Clinic. So they know that I'm available for them. Um, and they might, if they have any questions or um, issues that they're having, they can come to me with that as well as just heavily communicating with the managers um, to identify sort of the urgent needs um, and long-term needs as well that I need to deliver virtually. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a mixture, but also the buddy system as well. We actually had um, that in place, but because the 
business was so small over there. We had three people initially. We couldn't buddy them up with each other. So they did buddy up with the UK guys, um, but it was just a, another element that they could lean on for development. Um, and they also would have those weekly meetings um, as well. So, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of everything uh, yeah, we, we, had, yeah. we had a go at. What size, what size did you get the business to before you actually decided to hire physically, Emily, out of interest? Well, actually, we had a uh, we, we relocated. So we did have an office in San Francisco originally. Um, and then we made the decision to move to Chicago um, and started the office from from scratch there. But as a business, I think currently we only have about 60 consultants um, across the three offices, Manchester, London and also um, Chicago as well. So we're not a huge business, um, but it just meant that I had a lot of uh, a lot of work, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's interesting. Does that help a little bit, Tracy? Yeah, no, it no, it does. And and you know, I like. Don't get me wrong. The L and D team are doing a cracking job at the moment. But and as much as remote, just in time, LMS, all that sort of stuff is great. You, you never, you it will never be as good as like you said, Emily, having someone that's physically there that can say, yeah, yeah. hey, hey, and and the managers are great. And you made a good point, Haley, which is. You know, it's a really tough gig for those new UK managers. They're out there. They've got to try and, you know, launch a business. They're trying to do that, you know, so many things that they that they have to uh, that they have to do. But yeah. I think even a few of those things that like, definitely like the buddy system. I love the clinic idea. It, it just even just two or three extra little tweaks that we can make to what we're already doing. It's all it's all for the positive, isn't it? It's all going to help. Yeah. And I think. You know, if it creates an opportunity for one of your L and D team to go out there, Evol- I know we, Evolution we do that quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's already happened um, actually. We sent, we sent my, my yeah my my um my L and D manager went out there for two weeks, and then I actually followed. He went out for a couple of weeks, did very mm. specific sales recruitment training with the consultants, and yeah, then I went yeah. out and did more the management culture values piece. And right. um, yeah, I mean. They loved it. We loved it. I loved it. It was, it yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just having the whites of someone's eyes, it, it, you can't, That's you can't it, place isn't it? it. And it's That's that rapport, it. those relationships that you build, you know, you got to get out there. They, they kind of know you, but they don't know you. So you have mm-hmm. to build those relationships really, really quickly and get buy-in really quickly. And yeah, it was a fantastic exit. I probably got as much from that trip myself personally, mm-hmm. as, you know, as a director in the business as, as they did. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. You can't beat it. And I, I personally, yeah, similar experience going out to Australia. You just assume that everybody works the way that you do, and then you get there and you realise they're either so far behind, or culturally it just doesn't work that way, or we need to adapt our uh, our style in the way that we train. And these buddy systems from you know setting up consultants, and it's difficult. Even Australia, we've got seven till half eight in the morning when we can get people in the UK on a call with Australia with the nine hour time difference. But if we book it in and it's regular and they both see value in it, which they do, there's always something to be learned from both businesses. But yeah, I, I had a massive shock to the system thinking, wow, OK, we don't do it like that here. Oh, oh. I didn't know that. Right. Let's see what we need to change in the UK to make that happen. And it was just them having my presence there made them feel like we're not so out of the loop because we're all there to achieve the same goal. But we are so forward thinking in the UK in terms of innovation and ideas and the the amount of people that we have. So we're just running constantly and they're just playing catch up. (laughs) I do think it is really difficult to to build those relationships um, Mm. because I found that as well. But 
I think I think you have to make even more of an effort um, to really get to know the teams that you're working with virtually. Um, so I think for, for me personally, um, I actually onboarded all of the staff. So I was visible from day one. And I think that made a huge difference because they saw me as that person who was L&D rather than being onboarded by a manager for them me to circle in afterwards so I think that really helped um build that relationship and and them to see me as the go-to person Mm -hmm. from day dot uh but yeah it it is tricky when you have different cultures you've got um I used to say a couple of words in in my training like for example the word kino um when someone's a bit keen um and yeah the Americans were like sorry what um so I had to adapt the way I was training and my style a little bit uh, but I got there in the end but there's a few moments where I had blank faces just like I don't understand what you said <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I've definitely had that Neve did you want to make I mean, a point well yeah I was going to say I mean I've had that moving from the north to the south in the UK so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um that's not necessarily global and I think it was just that piece there that you spoke about the communication and I suppose it's when you have those feet on the ground and you're there actually so that then they don't feel that you're up and leaving them to their own devices then kind of following that and I suppose that's the real the thought and I that's where, where the real work comes in isn't it where you think well now I'm stepping away how is that embedded and still happening even though I'm not here in person kind of caretaking it at the moment and really understanding how like I suppose it's always leg thinking legacy isn't it if you can if you're only dropping in to come yeah. out again it's how does that legacy continue when you're not there and what is that culture how do they access how do you communicate um, whether it be clinics or buddies mm. as an outcome of that yeah definitely Tracy yeah and I, you know if I'm brutally honest it did take us a while to remember to think of them I know that sounds terrible to say that but we're, we're so UK centric yeah we're single site in the UK everyone is there within touching distance so to speak and um yeah it probably like I said I'm being brutally honest it probably took us a a, a, a few weeks or even a couple of months to kind of go no, 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 we have to make sure we're, whatever the, like you said, the innovations or the ideas we're delivering for the UK teams, mm. how how do we make it so that the US guys aren't missing out? How do we make, how do we yeah. make that work? And yeah. what I did notice, you know, crikey, a time distance with Australia must just be brutal <laughs> to try and make it happen. I found five hours. Look at these hours. bags. <laughs> I know, I found five hours between Tampa and the UK, just insane. I'll come into the office in the morning in Tampa, I've had a whole morning's worth of uk emails in my inbox and I'm, yeah but then my america day would start and yeah that was crazy but yeah. you know, definitely i think um it look we're eight ten weeks since we've been out there so i'm you know this is a work in progress so i i'm but it's uh we're, we're very focused on them now and we really really want to do the best by them and i think like you said neve the fact that it's not a case that we parachuted in done a bit turned around and said see you guys hope you're fine um mm-hmm. we're very much in their world and trying to be as centric yeah. us as we are to uk and it's a work in progress isn't it for all of us i think i think that's really important that was absolutely a lesson learned in covid wasn't it and we talked about that for actually the sales managers but proximity bias but then actually Tracy leveling that up actually to accessibility bias when you then factor in location and and time difference into that as well Mm -hmm. some really interesting points and when you don't have an LMS system we don't have one so yeah yeah we're just not there yet and 
we, it still works. We just learn, you know, we humans, you learn to adapt and we've got teams and we share and you just feel like there's a, there's always going to be that gap. And, you know, getting back from Australia, it was how do we ensure that it's not just integrated, but embedded? Who's going to be accountable for that? And I've had to kind of step up and do a lot of the weekly meetings with the team. Where are we? What have you found? What's worked? What's not? So that they feel that they've still got that connection because, you're literally worlds apart aren't you yeah we're not I'm not this is probably a whole other podcast I'm not actually sure what I feel about LMSs um there's pros and cons. maybe that's our next topic yeah yeah absolutely but yeah we make sure there's a repository there's a place that people can go to yeah. to access content we make it we make it specific to what they what they need and we make sure we're directing them in that and what we also are trying to do now is any of those kind of little clinics that the UK guides are delivering, if it is on Teams, absolutely now recording it. It's getting recorded, it's getting mm-hmm. saved, it's getting shared. And again, that's a learn for us. We're just so used to kind of having everyone nearby. We haven't had to worry about that because if there's yeah. a training happening, yeah. you can just come along. It's like, no, we've got to remember we've got other people that we're thinking of now. So it's just building mm-hmm. in habits that will just will evolve basically for us. But no, that's yeah. there's some great ideas. Thank you, ladies. You're welcome. Emily. Your question was, um, how do you ensure that senior and long-term staff feel like they are developing and being supported from the L&D team? Can you give us a little bit of context as to why you chose that question? Yeah, so uh, my role has been heavily focused on um, new starters and sort of early careers. And I think I'm getting to this point now where I'm now looking at, okay, if you've been here you know, four or five years, because we've got some really senior people. Um, and I just want to understand, you know, how can I be supporting them in their career development? I think there's a gap at the moment um, that I'm finding that they, I think, are, are just as important because they're the ones who are bit bringing in the most revenue and the most senior, and they need to feel like they're still developing their career. And I think there's a, a bit of a gap in the support that, that I'm giving them at the moment. So I was keen to just get some ideas on, how how I can close that gap okay brilliant Neve would you like to offer your expertise yeah so there's a there's a couple of things on there for that question because I absolutely believe I am completely with you there I mean sometimes that kind of tenured staff because they're there they're doing well like they're cracking on you can feel like yeah cool they're fine that over there but I think you're right there's absolutely space for them it's like good to great piece isn't it like how can they push on further what does that career path look like and I suppose that is really what where kind of the functions that support L&D kind of we all come into play together isn't it so it's well what are the options there and actually for those people at that tenure really like they should they can probably identify their own gaps so like looking at that data like what are their ratios and conversions showing us that could kind of identify some skills gaps but then maybe asking them as well like what is it that they're missing what's their next step for them um there's a great piece in squiggly careers recently it's the retention and um can't remember the title of it but it's the retention one and it's around squiggle and stay i think is the title and it's like actually is it always a straight up ladder? I've now? seen this. Is it the broadening yeah. the skills rather than climbing the ladder? Yeah. Like yeah. Cheryl Sandberg mentions it in Lean In. It's a concept that's been around for ages, but it's like that recruit um, career jungle gym. And actually, is it that upward trajectory? Is it that they want more scope that then they can help you with your on- onboarding side of things because they're interested in that? And it's really, I suppose, asking them. But then that also with the data allows you to check 
I suppose their personal awareness of their skill set because they might be asking you for something or the data might show something do they connect and then how do you bring those two conversations together to create something that I suppose it's driving that accountability within that set if you're limited on time to spend with them with volumes of new starters but kind of bringing that and I suppose for me my vision is kind of those communities of learning at that level because peer-to-peer learning there like what are they not seeing that somebody that sits a few banks of desks away or if they're remote what are they not seeing that they used to see that person do and being able to bring those people together in a a kind of expert kind of environment to learn from each other and, and push themselves along that next step really and it's yeah it's that data and their personal awareness of where they see that next piece going for me. Mm, interesting. Tracy, what's your insight? I bloody love this bit. This is, <laughs> this is a bit of me, this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, Emily, it's so important that uh, the first thing is, it's brilliant that you're identifying it because so many, so many um, recruitment companies ignore those guys and girls. They're in the job. They know what they're doing. They're in the groove. They're not causing any fuss. They may have a dip in performance every now and again, but, you know, you give them a cuddle, give them a kick, whatever needs to happen, and they come back up, right? But it is so much more for the growth of the business. Retaining that talent is absolutely critical. And if you're going to lose people, you're going to lose them in that 18 to 24-ish mark because they don't feel what's next. Mm. Neve touched on a few points that I've got written down, and I actually wrote a few bullet points, which I'll, I'll just run through, really. Absolutely. First thing is ask them what they need. We just don't make assumptions about it. My personal feeling is it's less about recruitment and skill sets and KPIs and ratios. Hopefully they can. They they know what they're doing. Couldn't agree more. They they know. Hopefully. Don't, don't, <laughs> be telling me, don't be telling me. Don't be telling me. Unless there's a different performance, right? But that's I think is something different. Um, absolutely, it's about a conversation about being clear about what their personal and career goals are. That's mm. what it's about. I also feel that um, you that it's potentially what we've done within my company is engage external professionals. So um, so that's that's been absolutely um, revolutionary for us as a, as a business at the very senior level. We have very clear paths for people. So we have that generic kind of onboarding new recruiter piece. But then we have two particular programs, which are what we call the, the top biller performer um, piece, which is not about how to do recruitment it's about that good to great piece so that's a very clear mapped out program of um content that runs about 10 or 11 modules over an agreed period of time and then we also have what we call the billing manager program so that's about the boys and girls that i'm a good biller you know we do in recruitment but our best billers to manage people it all goes terribly wrong and then they either leave or they go back on the tools so what we've been really successful at doing is engaging those guys and giving them the tools to be a billing be a billing manager right losing the title but then we realized our gap was then the people then beyond beyond that and that's where we've engaged professionals um that's where we've opened up um getting people to network we're absolutely guilty and and that's where this is brilliant um is sitting in our own little world and not looking outside the parapet. So what networking opportunities are there for those guys and girls? There's a number of recruitment-specific networking groups that you could get them involved in. Doesn't cost a lot of money. And what you'll find is that they can bring new ideas to the business. They feel empowered. They feel engaged. Delegate projects to them. What are they passionate about? So there is actually, I could honestly talk about this for ages, um, there's genuinely... <laughs> um, 
there's genuinely so much you can do that is is um that will be really impactful for these for these people in your business so um but the main thing is absolutely don't ignore them I, ignore them at your peril i would say if you're not developing those experience <laughs> people yeah so true isn't it yeah absolutely i think there's some really good ideas there i think I think the the ones that I'm noticing is because I think once you get to a certain level in recruitment, you kind of, you've got two paths. You go into your billing manager role, you can become a divisional manager and work your way up so that you're not billing at all. Or we've got quite a lot of people who have tried, you know, the, the senior guys tried management, didn't like it, want to yeah. bill. So I think they're the guys that I'm conscious of um, that I don't want them to feel like they're not getting any input. Um, so I have tried to bring them into the, the training in terms of like get them on a panel so that the younger people can learn off them. Um, so the less experienced people can learn from them. Um, but then also they end up coming away with some ideas. But I think the networking um, and then also getting some external people or even just signposting them to external things that they can get involved with is something that I definitely, um, definitely can in, um, implement. Mm, mm. Tracy, you were going to say something? I told you I'd hog this one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, move along, move along, next question. No, it's fine. Um, it's your passion. Go for it. Yeah, it is. Think, you know, it's, it's simple things like book clubs, getting talking about what books they're reading. You know, there's three or four of us at work that are a little bit geeky about the books we're reading. And we, sh- and we, you know, it's not a book club, but, you know, we kind of, oh, what, have you read so-and-so's book? Have you, you know, Johan Hari's book? Have you read, you know, the latest you know Simon Sinek or whatever there's loads of them out there right but it's just about having those conversations and and um we do simple things like um I I host manager huddles so these are every quarter those those guys and girls are either formally managing or mentoring teams and I bring them together and it's just the kind of this is your chance to be really open and honest with one another because you can guarantee if Billy's having a problem within his team or situation sally's also got that problem but they don't have a chance to talk about it and often what they do is they 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 end up coaching themselves and just knowing that they've got somebody that either has the answers for them or there's someone that's going through the same situation or can give their insights that isn't l d or their manager whoever it might be it's 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 actually really empowering to sit back and watch those conversations take place and it's it's quick, it's easy, it can be remote, it can be in person, um, and um, it genuinely has impact, really, really does. Yeah. Brilliant. Neve, you are going to make a point? I was going to stick on that kind of forum piece from Tracy there, like bringing those and whatever level they are from a seniority perspective, it's that business acumen, that kind of commerciality that that set will be kind of looking to achieve from each other, as opposed to like the recruitment knowledge that they're literally doing day in day out with their eyes closed by this point and similar with the managers and I suppose a a flip side of that is I mean I am absolutely passionate about a book and writing notes in it and there's all the post-its and everything within it that is me but what I notice about a lot of the people we're working with now is that is not for them like and I mean, sometimes I'll read the front of a book because I know I can get the gist in like the first couple of chapters and I'm like, right, I've got this, we can go. But it's really thinking about what are those other sources as well. I am that person. I love learn on TikTok. It's not always recruitment or work related. I learn loads of stuff following that hashtag, but really thinking how it's not always a book. And I think sometimes learning can feel really scary to people and especially somebody like a billing manager or a senior consultant. 
they run a busy day. And I think it's really about making it really easy and accessible for them as well, again, on that point. And potentially also giving them a bit of kudos. Like they love sharing their skill set. Where can they run? Like if they're amazing at negotiation or great at selling retainers, well, get them to run that session because we can't necessarily share the war stories of retainers or, I mean, I can, but from like six years ago, which nobody cares about anymore. <laughs> they're in the now. They, they live that. They love that. And they can really share some greatness um, out and learn from each other. I just think those forums and those networks are so valuable to them whether internally or externally um yeah I really like that there's some really good points there and I suppose just to add to that Emily um, we're obviously in the same situation we've got a lot of people that have been there two years plus and they're great some of them are billing managers we have two clear paths um again in evolution as well um billing manager or individual contributor and you know whatever works for the individual but individual contributors yeah because they're not they're not wanting to broaden their experience in terms of managing others and taking on you know that journey we look at external courses so as a business we've engaged these seven habits of highly effective people if you've read that book so that's the course that we're doing for leadership team future leaders the board that's been amazing because I think you get to a point in recruitment where you know the job you're competent you get it and you can run master classes for L&D which a lot of our guys do we've changed the promotional criteria which I think I mentioned on my last podcast to embed some additional competencies around the consultants getting more involved with um working with L&D, running masterclasses, running training sessions, running it for the wider business as well as just for their teams, and running stand-ups in the morning, running retros, so just giving them the additional responsibility. But then, like Tracy said, just asking them. And we we try and have a really rich, open feedback culture. And one of the, um, one of the elements of the seven habits is you start with, you send feedback to 10, 15 people of your peers, all at different levels across the business. And that's a bit of an eye opener. There's emotional intelligence, but it's making them better and more effective people just in life, not just in recruitment. They can get so much from that. So we've had such a win from that. But yeah, there's loads you can do. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And Neve, your question was, what is your strategy to scale? Sorry, what is your strategy to scale a successful proof of concept to whole business delivery? Do you want to give us a little bit of context on that? Yeah, absolutely. So within kind of, I suppose, a a piece for me has been looking at something new for our business and a new way of of working recently. And I suppose we, I like to kind of proof of concept that and it kind of, I suppose, not to give it away, but touches on your next topic, (laughs) Hayley, I suppose, when you shared that earlier. So (laughs) you get your kind of return and you know that something's worked. What are the steps that you take then to, I suppose, scale that out? Your proof of concept is kind of on board, they're running, they're loving life, but then getting it kind of out and further into those business areas that weren't necessarily part of the the trial period, if you like. Mm. Tracy, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, I kind of struggled a little bit with this question initially, but I I, I now have appreciate what your, your point and I guess for me the first thing that popped into my head was it all comes back to why the, the original training was taking place like what was the problem you were trying to solve mm. what were the expectations of the people that requested because often what happens with L&D is 
we get a little call or an email saying you know oh we've got a problem in this team can you come and fix it and obviously my first question should be what have you done to fix it is the first question (laughs) (laughs) but yeah my I kind of thought well I, I get it sometimes we have these initiatives it works really well for one particular cohort and it solved the problem that was there I think sometimes I'm not saying this is the case for you but there's sometimes a danger of we think well it worked well in group a let's roll it out to um Mm -hmm. b to z and actually there's a danger there of sheep dipping and doing it for the sake of doing it because it worked with team a so there's it's a hard one for me to really kind of answer because i I, it just i it creates so many more questions in me as to (laughs) why you would want to necessarily roll it out to the whole business and does all the rest because you you come from a much bigger brand and, and 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 world than i'm currently living in um but instantly I kind of think well if like I said if team A needed it and wanted it I wouldn't necessarily then assume I then have to put mm-hmm. that across the whole of the business oh it's kind yeah. of well it's kind of well I think about that bringing it all back into purpose yeah there's yeah. a danger no. that we sheep there's a danger of sheep dipping and sheep dipping has its per you'll get what I mean by sheep dipping training to sort of just shove yeah. through it um and there's some stuff you need to but uh, in my experience if if you get that wrong you can actually end up alienating a, a huge swathe of, of, of individuals in your business because they quite often could be sat there going, well, why am I saying I don't need this? Mm-hmm. And if they do know, it's really important that you acknowledge that actually you might know this and give your rationale for doing it. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one for me because it, it, it actually creates more questions <laughs> than, than I have answers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. I love a good question. So, yeah. <laughs> Emily, what's your take on it? Um, yeah, I think for me, um I think champions are so so important when you're looking to sort of uh roll something out um across other teams and things like that because in my business is quite small so we quite often will do this where we'll sort of put have it one area and then roll it out um and I think it's having those champions from group a that have seen the benefits to it and understand um that they can then go into um you know i would bring them into something with me and say right okay before i go into this here's the here's the, it's kind of like a case study right um and yes. having champions within the business if it's something that that can be you know can be put across um all the business areas but i think for me it's, it's having those champions within the business um and then also again kind of what you were saying tracy it's just making sure that they understand the purposes as to why that's being uh, rolled out as well. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's where my mind was going with it, that buy-in, those kind of, that case study piece and the voice. And I think it's always really crucial is, and again, I'm probably dipping into the next topic, Hayley, but it's that um, that return is often, it is definitely stronger from the people versus ourselves if there's no data to kind of combine with the data. So yeah, really nice. It's rare that, as a as a function L and D are going to do anything that people aren't going to be interested in, right? You're going to do something yeah. that someone's going to get benefit from. Yeah. I always say, to, I always sort of say when if I'm running a session that I know I have a mixed ability of group in there, is that one of three things will happen. Either one, you'll get confirmation that what you're doing is absolutely spot on. Well done, keep doing it. Number yeah. two, you'll realise that you knew this but you'd stop doing it, so start doing it again. 
and number three is you learn something so it's never a bad thing that happens from it but yeah it's um it, it's with caution that you go out like I said and your scope is so much bigger Neve. I imagine than like I said the world that Emily and I are sitting in in terms of the numbers that are affected so it's just it's with caution that you run a successful group and just say right that's it everyone's going to yeah. train on this <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough isn't it we obviously have similar challenges um, even within the UK business and I think having gone through some of those challenges over the last year and we're trying to embed new initiatives train things out and we know that might be the not necessarily the L&D team but we've trialed it in one team they've pioneered the idea they've run with it it's been hugely successful mm-hmm. I'd probably say start with your petri dish start with the people that want to make an impact and change get them to be your champions and then it just has the knock-on effect don't start with the people with the most resistance because you tend to face challenges and it ends up going nowhere but yeah we have contracts out of the business ideas innovative ambitious want to run with anything that you'll give them the reason we do the content-led process was driven through one team in particular doing it on contract giving it a go and now globally as a business all we do is podcasts and then that answers Emily's question around your senior people who might not want to be billing managers all we do is host digital podcasts and build tech communities and it's such a just brings such variety to the role it's not your traditional recruitment anymore and that's our sell then it becomes our USP for attracting people so yeah start small start with the ones who want it and can embed the idea get the results build your data and then take it to the rest of the business and then why wouldn't they want to be involved there was a great piece there I can't remember who which person it which one it was at learning technologies but they were talking about how often when people roll stuff out they go for those kind of the laggards if you like because they want to persuade them first mm-hmm. I, love, I love that term but actually they switched it round um with an implementation and went for the kind of early adopters and what they found was that next 40 percent came so much quicker mm-hmm. and then the following and then the laggards were just like oh god we may as well go now and they're like normally we've spent so long like tapping them and like come on please come and um, you've got a bit of FOMO don't you because they're thinking yes. and then they want to get involved so yeah it was a really really interesting concept so like amazing that you like you're speaking about that as well there Hayley yeah, definitely. We've we've just faced it as I say, and now it's the business initiative for 2022. It's all we're doing, and it's on the map. It's not going anywhere. And you've got you stragglers, if you like. Who've <laughs> been with the business five, ten years, only know one way to do recruitment, and hey, that way works. But we're in a new world now. The way that we all work is different. We've got to try and embrace change and adapt. And yeah, start with the 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 people that want to embrace that change and then slowly but surely it will happen nice thank you oh that's been um, a great experience i'd like to thank each one of you for joining me today outside of your very busy schedules to come together and have a great conversation around what i believe is such an important topic for most businesses as they look to grow we'll leave it there for now this has been the evolution exchange podcast thank you for listening